The following talk was given at the Insight Meditation Center in Redwood City, California. Please visit our website at audiodharma.org. I can begin talking. Yeah, so here we are, 2024. And um, we'll start, you know, the year talking about the first noble truth. And this is, um, you know, what they say, what the teachings say. So whoever it is that wrote them down and spoke them and then somebody spoke them to somebody else and and then eventually people started to write and so the teachings started to be written down is that this was the teaching on the Four Noble Truths was the Buddha's first teaching and that it set the wheel of the Dharma in motion. So it's a very significant teaching. And sometimes you'll hear uh, quotes like... um, I teach nothing but suffering and the end of suffering. And it's maybe not exactly what the Buddha said, but it certainly is a big part of uh, what he was trying to offer us, which was a way out of and free from the suffering in our lives. That's what I'll call optional suffering. Yeah. And in a very, so I'll talk more, but just before we go into the meditation, I'll just say a little bit more about, well, what is suffering? And maybe I'll just ask, there's a mic right by you, Kelly, on the floor. If you don't mind picking it up and turning it on, and Rusty, you too. And so when you hear of this word suffering, and you think of whatever it is you know, something or nothing, about the Buddha's teachings on suffering, what would you say? What is it? If somebody asks you, what is suffering? What would you say? Is anybody willing to offer? Anxiety. Anxiety is suffering. Great. Thank you, Janet. Behind you, you, you need ears. Just, just for a word. I was going to say fear. Fear. Beautiful. And when you speak, it would be great if you guys say your name so we can... Oh, yeah. I'm Namita. Thank you, Namita. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Any other words, thoughts? Lyman. Lyman. Dissatisfaction with the way things are. Dissatisfaction with the way things are. I'm Kalpana. Um, what comes to mind is pain. Pain. I'm Rusty. I'll, echoing what Wyman said, I was thinking it's endless searching for mm-hmm. something. Yeah, beautiful. Um, hi, I'm Afsha. Uh, and for me, it's you know the constant problem solving that the mind does about <laughs> what has happened in the past and what's going to happen and everything that it wants to fix. Yeah. Okay. Very good. Well, I'm in again to add on to that. Um, regret of the past and anxiety of the future. So many things. <laughs> Suffering. 
Um, any time that I feel like I have this heavy sadness about something, you know, it could be anything. Yeah. <clears throat> and that's when I name it suffering, mm. emotion, mm-hmm. sad emotion. And I can definitely locate it here. Nice. Thank you, Nicole. Um, I would I would also say just not being able to accept what is Mm. Mm -hmm. yeah Mm. yeah welcome I don't know you I'm Tanya hi Amy I just asked the question we're going to talk about the first noble truth tonight and just so you know what's happening right now. Um, I asked people if they had any words um, or thoughts about what suffering was um, to them, how you define suffering. So if you want to add something, you're welcome. If not, no problem. Looks like Mike has an idea. So I'm Mike. Um, a sense of it being unbearable. A sense of things being unbearable. Mm-hmm. Great. So... Yeah, I mean, it, suffering itself is a very huge range of experience, from very subtle to unbearable. It's a good word. Um, and it's felt, like Nicole, you said, I could feel where it is in my body, right? So there is a, a physiological experience, a physical experience that we have, Um you know, of stress, discontent, pain, irritation, agony. And one translation I like, because it's a pretty inclusive one, um, it's offered by Lee Brasington, who's a teacher in this tradition. He says, it's a bummer. (laughs) You know, and and it's kind of a nice thing, because sometimes people like, well, is this suffering? And he says, well, is it a bummer? Yes, if it's a bummer, it's suffering, you know. So I think that's a nice word, and it's playful. And and it also, that word, bummer, actually also reflects the mental attitude about what's going on. So that discontent, I think, Lyman, you you offered that in there, in that description, you know, the definition. So... Everybody feel like you have a good working definition of suffering at the moment? Great. And so we're going to meditate. And guess what I'm going to invite you to do? (laughs) I'm going to invite you to welcome and notice moments, prolonged, short, of suffering during your meditation. To be curious to see, oh, how would I name this? To, where do I feel this? What happens when I name it, when I turn toward it? Like, let's discover what it's like to pay attention to suffering if you have any bummers during your meditation. And if you don't, don't make, you don't have to make up any. It's okay. You might think you 
are missing out if you don't have any suffering, and that will create suffering. But no worries. <laughs> no need to create suffering. There's enough, right? Amy? Is that your, was that right, Amy? No. Yeah? Do you have meditation experience? Great. Okay. I just check because I want to know how much instruction I should give um, before we start the practice. So I'll give a little bit of starting instruction and then I'll allow for uh, a good period of silence for practicing with yourself and your suffering or lack of suffering. Yeah. So feeling your body... And, and feeling your body with awareness of where your body is located. Yeah, I'm at IMC. I'm in a chair. I'm on a cushion. Acknowledging you're with other people. And before we get too much further, check in and make sure you feel comfortable where you're sitting. If you want to get up and move, please get up and move. If you want to move your chair, if you need another cushion, please take a moment to help yourself, help your body be able to rest and your nervous system to feel like it's okay, it's safe enough to turn your attention in a more simple way to whatever it is that you experience during your your meditation practice tonight. So coming back to awareness of the body, it's really helpful to be relaxed yet upright and grounded, connected to the feeling of stability that the chair, the floor, and the space can offer you. And I like to imagine I invite my spine to be upright, like not my muscles to tighten, but my spine to be upright and lifted. And I can almost feel it in my body, this uplift that's energetic even. And then relax everything off of the bones. The belly to drop out. The arms to be supported by the legs or thighs or cushion. Is it okay to give the weight of your body to whatever it is you're sitting on? So we relax in this grounded posture. Maybe taking a few minutes to feel the breath and get connected with that rhythm, that flow.
If it helps, you might, you know, be aware of inhaling and exhaling. <clears throat> Maybe take a few longer, deeper breaths. Maybe even bringing the shoulders up toward the ears as you inhale. And then rolling them back and down. Whew. So we ground, we center, and then we relax. And then when it feels ready and right, we can open up to noticing our experience more fully. And maybe we do this over and over again in the meditation, relaxing or grounding, then relaxing, finding a rhythm with the breath, finding the center of here-ness, of now-ness, using the sensations to help you stay here, like sounds and the breath moving and sensations in the hands or body. And we open. We allow ourselves to touch and be touched what's arising. (coughs) And with kindness and curiosity, notice the bummers. Bummer, I'm coughing. Notice the bummers with kindness and curiosity. And see if you can't open up around it or hold it gently. And notice what happens next. Anybody willing to describe any suffering that occurred during your meditations? What did you 
Did you encounter any suffering? What did it feel like, look like, sound like? Great, Rusty, thanks. Yes, please. At some point, uh, the door opened, and my mind went to some crazy scenario where someone was going to come in and be very disruptive, and and I just noticed that that you know, and and it, it then caused like a little surge of adrenaline in my body, and my heart rate picked up, and I just, just watched that whole thing unfold, which is like the door opened, <laughs> you know, and and I was off in some other wild direction. Thank you, Rusty, for sharing. The same thing happened to me with that door. <laughs> it was something about the way it opened that just kicked <laughs> off this, a bad guy's coming in. Mm. <laughs> yeah. No other suffering? I'm so glad for you all. <laughs> I'm so happy to hear it. <laughs> I had a little bit of a, a stitch in my side that would, you know, come and go. And, and so I was noticing um, a little bit, you know, depending on how I moved, maybe it would be worse or, or less worse. And, and um, also noticing that, um, so, you know, you can look at it from a point of view of how do I get rid of this? Or you can look at it just for more of a, oh, what can I learn from this? What, what, what can it teach me? And the, there's definitely there's this urge to go to the first type of examination. How can I get rid of it? How to get, yeah. Yeah. And what happened to the suffering when you tried to get rid of it? Um, pretty much just hung out there and, you know, stuck its tongue out at me. You know? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. And what happened when you asked, um, what, what can I learn from this? Um, I don't know. It was hard to keep enough focus on it for long enough to really see anything. Mm-hmm. You know, it's kind of like you're out in the forest and, and it takes a while to actually notice what's going on around it. Mm-hmm. And, and so there was, uh, it was hard to actually look at it for long enough to say, to, really learn anything. Mm-hmm. But did it stick its tongue out at you? Um, no, it was, a, it was a different relationship. Mm-hmm. That relationship is powerful. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you, Mike. I also had some physical discomfort, but I noticed that the biggest part of the suffering was not the discomfort. It was the, how much longer is this going to last? Yeah. Um, yeah. And at some point, I heard you move up there, and I was like, "Oh, she's going to ring the bell. She's going to ring the bell." <laughs> um, and so I, I just that the it wasn't as much the discomfort itself as it was the I'm going to have to be uncomfortable for the next unknown period of time that was creating suffering for me. How did you? F- no, I mean, you were having those thoughts, Rusty, and how did you know that was creating more suffering? What did you feel, sense? What happened? Do you know? Um, it's a great question. Uh, I, I tend to, I guess I notice that my mind gets very active. Yeah. Uh, and so I start, I just, I, I notice that 
I'm not as present. I'm not noticing my breathing. I'm not, and it's, it's, it's like I can feel my energy shift to my mind. And that's, that's when I notice the suffering. Um, and, you know, to, to me that there's some discomfort and my foot was uncomfortable and it was just kind of bringing the energy back down to my body and breathing into it and just recognizing, yes, my foot's uncomfortable, but my hands are a little chilly and I can feel my breath on my nose. And, you know, it's just noticing the whole experience. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Nice. Thank you for sharing. Yeah. Nicole. <laughs> hold As, it hold it this way yeah okay. there you go thanks mm, when i <clears throat> when i meditate i feel like um, my mind goes all over and uh, take over and i'm observing what goes on in my mind in my thinking and then um i mm, it's just there was something that I was kind of worried about today, and uh, I tried to avoid it, to get rid of it by being present. That's my practice, and uh, I felt like I was able to do that by shifting my thought, focusing on my breath. And um, I felt like I, I was able to observe what was going on about that issue. Mm. Mm-hmm. I, I was observant. Yeah, so instead of thinking about it, yes, you right. directed your mind to be aware of the experience. Exactly. And observe it. Yes. And did you notice the attitude you had as you were observing? If I'm not meditating, I would, like I would... No, during your practice. You're during good. practice. Um, I was, as an, as an observant... Um, mm-hmm. I felt like I I was happy about it. No, I love it. <laughs> that, that I could shift beautiful from from the thinking um, and being present and um, focusing on my breath every time you know yeah. it came to my mind and into other issues too, mm-hmm. but I was. I, as an observant, I was happy that I was able to do that. Beautiful. Beautiful. Well, I think I'll just say then I'll move into the, my little Dharmati thingy here, which is I, I get really, I, um, you know, of course sometimes I, I've got enough of a bummer going on that I'm, I'm not happy, but I often feel very happy when I recognize suffering. That, that is the feeling that comes up is happiness. And so I think understanding suffering, recognizing suffering, and knowing 
for me, what it is, it's like the Buddha, they often say the Buddha was like a physician and he would diagnose, you know, he used this sort of system, like what is the symptom, you know, which is the first noble truth. What is the symptom? And then what's the cause of the symptom? The second noble truth is what's the cause? And if I think about suffering as a symptom, not it's not causing anything, it's a symptom of something. And I think, oh, I'm so glad I'm recognizing the symptom. I'm so glad I'm recognizing that there's suffering happening because it's a result of my inner attitude. It's a result of my relationship to what's going on. And if I see that, I start to have a choice. I start to have the option of how I relate. I can choose how to relate to what's going on and hopefully, possibly, let go a little bit or a lot. Ajahn Chah says, let go a little, get a little bit of happiness, let go a little bit more, have a little bit more happiness, let go all the way, and you have a total happiness, right? Just sort of like the freedom. The more we can let go, the more joy, the more freedom we have, the more happiness we have. I, <clears throat> when I observe, I try to observe my it really goes away he mm-hmm. just the suffering like goes away the suffering and mm-hmm. the thinking yeah and it just goes away yeah 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 that's my definitely my experience yeah 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 so you know this this teaching the four noble truths in this first teaching is um Something we want to engage with is not an intellectual understanding. It's a, an experiential thing, right? The suffering is your, for me, it's a feedback mechanism. It's like tapping on my shoulder or knocking on my head. Pay it, wake up, wake up, something's going on here. And, you know, um, so I appreciate the messenger, I appreciate the messenger. That's the experience of suffering. It's calling me. It's inviting me to wake up. It's inviting me to take the next step in a different way. To place my foot on the path of freedom instead of deeper into more suffering. This is a a beautiful quote from Gill. The ancient Buddhist metaphor of a path draws on the idea of a cleared passageway that allows one to move through an otherwise impassable forest. So you know about the Noble Eightfold Path, right? So this is a path of practice. And we use this metaphor of a a path in a, a forest. And the path, right, allows us to move through what is otherwise impassable. And just as a person brings, so I'm continuing with the quote now, just as a person brings their entire body along when walking on a forest path, a spiritual practitioner enters the Buddhist path by engaging all aspects of who they are. 
Yet while a physical path exists, whether we walk on it or not, the Buddha's path exists only in our engagement with us, with it. It exists only in our engagement with it. We create the path with the activities of our minds, hearts, and bodies. Lyman's eyebrows are... <laughs> Would you like to ask a question, Lyman? No. Okay, great. All right. So um, if we're listening, if we're paying attention and bringing our whole self to this practice we pay attention to all the different things that are happening in the moment. And it's by paying attention and tuning in that we keep finding the footing of right here, right now, hopefully with less suffering. If we don't pay attention, it's like the story goes on. Rusty's story continues and contributes to it <laughs> and and pretty soon the whole group has you know we're we're on this story about this horrible thing that happened that never happened because we're not paying attention to the fact that it's not real it's not really happening and the mind is making it up and it's reacting and it's doing its thing so I want to tell you about, um, there's, I'll tell you the formal teaching, right, um, on what is suffering. And then what I want to spend more time on is kind of an interpretation, or maybe, yeah, an interpretation of that teaching. But I want you to hear the Buddha's words. So from Majjama Nikaya 15. And what is suffering? Birth is suffering, aging is suffering, sickness is suffering, death is suffering, sorrow, lamentation, pain, grief, and despair are suffering. Not to obtain what one wants is suffering. Gregory Kramer, who wrote um, and created something called Insight Dialogue, and he has several books um, has this idea of um, interpretation and idea of suffering kind of in three types. So he's talking, he says there's biological suffering, which incorporates the aging, the disease, and the death, right? And it includes things that have to do with senses, sensations and hearing, and it's too loud, it's stinky, and all this stuff that has to do with being a body in a body and all the pleasant and unpleasant things that you know the pleasant things we can't get and the unpleasant things we don't want right so this is kind of biological suffering and then there's what he calls psychological or personal suffering and that's um, our reactions sorrow lamentation grief despair it was in the list from the buddhist teaching And then he adds um, this idea of interpersonal or relational suffering. And um, he talks about this as it can either be between two individuals in a relationship or a pod or a family, whatever, 
but also it could be social suffering. Like, for example, you know, it might be related to groups of people, ethnic groups, nations, right? So I really like this because I think it helps us think about the different realms of suffering in ways that are a little bit more relatable and also maybe help us think about how we might be, you know, if, if sometimes there's suffering that is maybe in this category of interpersonal, that if we treat it like it's just you suffering, we're, we're dismissing our role as a person of the society in that suffering. So a really simple example, many of them are, have to do with our identities, right? Racism, sexism, homophobia, right? All ageism, all of these things that have to do with our identities. Well, where do we get our identities? They're, they're kind of socially constructed mostly. And then they come with these ideas about these identities. And so sometimes it's helpful when you encounter your own suffering or somebody else's to think about, oh, is this, is this you know, biological? Like, yeah, I really can't change the fact that I'm dying or I have a disease or I have an illness, but I can look at where am I bringing personal or psychological suffering to that? How am I making the pain in my foot something that's going to be forever and, you know, disastrous and all of this stuff that we do to ourselves? And then we can also ask ourselves, oh, you know, so much of our suffering is about our relationships with others, about how we want to be seen, how we want to be liked, how we want to be promoted, how we want to get whatever it is. There's so much I, you know, of our suffering that has to do with relating to other people. So much. And so it's good, I think, to, I really like this sort of idea of including. In the, it's not that the Buddha doesn't, he just doesn't name it in this way. So this is not creating a new category. It's taking sort of among the things that the Buddha said and sort of talking about it. And um, Gregory says, personal suffering comes from reaction. Interpersonal suffering comes from interreaction. Interreaction. So... With all kinds of suffering, there in in this in the technical teaching, it's called a co-arising. There's the co-arising, for example, of um, the eye seeing something, right? So the eye is seeing and it sees a form, right? And then there's awareness of the form, and there's a this is contact. Contact has happened. Eye contact has happened. And then when that contact happens, it's either pleasant, unpleasant, or neutral. The Vedana, which we talked about last week. So if it's pleasant, we tend to want it. If it's unpleasant, we tend to not want it. And if it's something that's neutral, we tend to kind of move into, you know, 
delusion, denial, ignorance around it. And so these these wanting and not wanting and even the delusional response, the, the indifference, are ways that we create suffering. They lead, they can lead toward suffering. They're the beginning of craving, either wanting it, not wanting it, or being you know, dismissive or in denial about something that's happening. So the same thing is with a person or their voice or a relationship or a society or all of these things. It's the same. There's something, you know, and an experience of it, a knowing, and then there's a liking or not liking. There's contact, right? These got to be two things happening at once, right? And then the consciousness taking it in. Does that make sense? Okay. So biological suffering psychological suffering, and interpersonal suffering. Anybody have any examples of any of those? We had some shared uh, earlier on. Um, Any questions, clarifying questions about that? Because this is what we're going to move into the breakout groups and be talking about. Sort of thinking about, you know, these. if you think about life and these three kinds of suffering, and you think about how they show up for you, you know, what's your biggest pile? You have a bigger pile of bodily suffering, biological suffering, psychological suffering, reactions, or interpersonal suffering. And, you know, remember it can be bummer, small, and huge, right? So um, it's kind of, you know, it can be interesting to start to look at where and how we might be adding to our difficulties. And when we start to recognize our difficulties, where we're suffering, when we see it, there's the possibility that Nicole said, suffering stops. Rusty kind of described that too. I don't know, maybe other people did, and I can't remember at all, but, you know... When we recognize the suffering, and so the more we're familiar with it, the more likely we are to, oh, I know what this is, instead of getting carried down the road by it. So I'm going to share one more story because I like it a lot. And it's it's an explanation of how kind of, to me, the... The nature, the mechanism of suffering, maybe, and then our relationship to it. So, you know how it is driving on um, Highway 1 along the coast? When you're driving on the coast, have you ever started to veer off the road and hit those rumble strips? You know what those are? Everybody knows what they are. There are little bumps in the in the cement, actually divots that your tire, when they hit, your car will start to, what does it do? Shake, it's loud, it's super loud, right, in the car. And it really, what is it there to do? It's designed to wake people up who are falling asleep or drifting off the road. 
So if you're, you know, driving along and it's so beautiful, you're looking out at the ocean, just like riding a bike, what happens when you're looking out at the ocean? You're, you, you start to follow your eyes, the body, the hands, and the car starts to veer off the road. And the rumble strips are there to wake us up, to help us stay on the path. But when we first hit the rumble strips, what's our reaction to them? Freak out. Freak out. Not like it. Ah! And then what happens? We get back on the path and we're like, oh my God, thank goodness, right? We're like, recognize, okay, I've had my reaction, which is, you know, dukkha, (laughs) Um, more suffering. But then we can get wise to what's going on and we realize, oh my gosh, I'm so glad that happened. I'm really grateful that was there. So I didn't drive off the road. It's pretty dicey driving along there some places. The edge of the cliff is not so far. So it's a really good thing. It's a really good thing. And and this is kind of how I think about my relationship to suffering. Is there it's the rumble strips and no, it's not pleasant. It doesn't feel good and maybe I don't even like it. But am I glad it happens? Amen. Yes. Thank you. Thank you. It's there for a purpose. It's there for a purpose. And we just, we need to start to relate to that purpose and appreciate and recognize, oh, well, where, what was going on? Maybe you're not driving off the road, but you're clinging really hard to something. You're really hating on something. You're really lost in kind of diluted thinking. And you start to like have the stress in your body that's connected to that suffering. So let's get into groups. Richard, will you be joining groups tonight? We, if you... Well, we have 16. So that, right? I think we have 16 include no, no, 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16. Yeah, four, four groups of four. Great. So find your three other buddies and just make a little circle and introduce yourselves. And... Um, and then the conversation, I'll just say this now, because sometimes some groups finish early and are ready to start, and you have to go. So there'll be one group of three. Thank you. Um, yeah, you can. All right. So after you introduce yourselves, here's the conversation I want to invite you to have. Number one is, so if you can... Kind of remember you're here to share. You're not here to teach each other. You're not here to correct each other. You're here to share your experience of the Dharma, your perspective, your relationship to the Dharma. And sometimes you might ask a question of others, but, you know, like mostly we're here to witness each other, to practice mindfulness, mindfulness of listening and receiving and noticing our bodies as other people speak, right? Not planning what you're going to say. So, um, and to really give yourself permission 
to when you speak, you don't have to make so much sense to everybody else. I, I don't care if they understand. I care if you understand what you're saying and you're getting where you need to get with it. We can get very caught up in the details of things if we think people need to understand. They don't need to understand. Not really. Right? It's more for you. And others will get something from you regardless. So, um, where's my little... And what I would suggest is that we have three rounds. Um, One first round is to talk about um, personal kinds of our reactivity, suffering that's related to psychological or personal reactivity, examples of that. (coughs) And so it's your turn to just sort of name out loud in a group, where do I tend to do a lot of reactivity? Where do I psychologically add, you know, contribute to my suffering? And maybe go around the circle twice, and if it feels like really hot and, you know, there's a lot more to say, you go ahead, do a third round, that's fine. But just let the group know, right? So at the end of two cycles, check in and see. And then a second round around interpersonal, right? So, you know, social and interpersonal. And a third around body. And going around the circle, probably, like I said, twice, maybe three times. And you'll have um, like five, 40, 45, 50, like three you know, four minutes, three to four minutes per topic, really. So it's, it's, you're not talking a lot, right? You're just, you're sharing a few key, key ideas or examples. And, okay, so go ahead and introduce yourselves, and then you're off and running. Thank you. Oh, so what did you learn about yourself? What did you learn about your suffering? just so short what I learned is just like what I suffer from is just not me Um, just like me it's it's not just me it's not just me yeah uh, sometimes like I'm the only one who suffer from what I suffer from but just when I when they shared with me it's like we are all suffering we are all suffering it's part of everyone's life yes Yeah. yeah that's so great so important we do not have the market on suffering. And we, we often think we do. We think we're the only one in misery, and we're not. Yeah. Anybody else willing to share? I think for me the big deal is I tend to blow things out of proportion. Yeah. So the way I was explaining it to my group was, you know, it starts with a little body, but then I add a head and a tail and a, you know, five five uh, five fingers and and you know ten yeah. ten toes and it just kind of keeps. You got a monster before you know. Yeah, literally, literally. Yeah. So yeah. yeah, that was you know one big realization for sure. Beautiful, beautiful, and that's you know optional, right? That's great. Anyone else? We were talking about the, yeah. There's the wars, and there's elections, and there's things that we personally can't 
do much about. Mm -hmm. We can make little tiny steps, but we can't do much about. And so there's the physical suffering of like for the wars. There's people who are physically suffering, and we're not physically The body isn't suffering here, but Mm -hmm. our mind is, is there's like a lot, or that last category, the interpersonal whatever suffering is happening. Social suffering. By witnessing, you know. I haven't been able to read the newspaper because I can't use the computer right now, and it's just like, wow, you know, I'm not suffering quite so much. Uh-huh. Every so often, my husband will, will tell me what's what he's been reading, and it's like, yeah, that's hard to hear. I'm glad I'm not doing that a whole lot. Because <laughs> it is, you can't do anything. Mm-hmm. That's hard. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, one thing maybe, uh, one little thing is to enjoy your life, your freedom, your safety, or, you know, like so much, and to, you know, be grateful for what we do have. Yeah. Great. Well, this was lovely. I'm going to um, read you a quote from Ajahn Sumedho. Um, to kind of wrap it up. And um, he says, with the first noble truth, there is suffering. And the advice to deal with the suffering is to welcome it, understand it, open to it, admit it, and begin to notice it and accept it. It is a willingness to embrace and learn from what we don't like or want, the pain and the irritation whether physical, mental, emotional, or I'll add interpersonal social suffering. So bring curiosity and kindness to your explorations, and it really does help to relax. Really helps to relax a lot. So may you all have lots and lots of relaxing, and befriend your suffering and support the relaxing and the declining in suffering for anyone you happen to come in contact with and may it be so for all thank you thank you